We're going to take our country back from these people. We're going to take it back. These are bad, bad people. And we're going to take our country back from these people. My name is Anita Arinze. I am a Nigerian and I am an immigrant. Before you start thinking I came to Ireland illegally, I am a legal immigrant. They're here, they're robbing all the jobs. And it's a shame because all the other Irish people can't get jobs. I came here in September 2014 to further my education. An immigrant is defined as a person who comes to live in another country, either temporarily or permanently. I have no problem with immigrants, um, but I'm some, I, I come across as a bit of a racist, but sometimes feel there's a lot of um, jobs, for example, that Irish people would like that they're not getting the chance to get anymore. According to the Central Statistics Office, the Irish population is over 4.7 million people. Immigrants make up 10% of the Irish population. Most immigrants in Ireland are from Eastern Europe and West Africa, particularly Nigeria. Let's take our country back again. But this story is not about statistics. It is the story of West African immigrants and their journey to Ireland. My name is Temitopwe Oladipo. My name is Trina. My name is Doka Sadeto Ruizikalu. I'd rather not mention my name. My parents had issues with, um, with the government, my dad especially. So um, I think after he lost his life, I think he was, um, he was wiser. And it was a lot more safer to actually leave Nigeria. So um, I think that, that, was, that was what prompted my ex- exile from Nigeria. I came to Ireland for a better life. In Nigeria, there is, there is there's good life there. But for a better one, especially like for my children, that's why I prefer it here. I'm from Nigeria, but I moved to Ireland when I was 12. So I've been here for 10 years. The day I heard I was going to move to Ireland, I was very excited because my mom, she, she, she traveled here first because she got a, nurse, a job as a nurse. So she left us for a year. So it was like a reunion type of thing. So I was excited and I was like, oh yeah, I'm leaving Nigeria. But then I was sad because I had to leave my friends and my country and everything. I was born in Ireland in 1994, um, but my parents are both uh, Ghanaian. Um, my father came here to lecture and my mother came here to study and uh, back in the 80s in Ireland and then at the time when they first came to Ireland Ireland was a lot different to how it is now there wasn't really many people from uh, different immigrant backgrounds it was very very rare Uh, my name is Kayode Okundamisi. I'm a London-based Nigerian media practitioner. I blog on anti-corruption and I also write for uh, various Nigerian newspapers. I have a TV program in the UK that um, addresses corruption in the diaspora community and in Africa. Migration has been an age-long activity of mankind, right from when man developed in a cave. Man would move from a cave to live in a forest, and from a forest to live in arid land, depending on the social condition of its environment. Uh, the Irish, when they faced famine, they moved to America in, in mass. 
you know, and they, they, they migrated to America as a result of famine. The British, when Britain was becoming so wretched and there was a collapse before the Industrial Revolution, there was famine in England, they started expedition and started colonizing places in Africa and brought gold, silver, and what have you back to redevelop their country. So it's the case in Africa, especially in West Africa, because there's, uh, there's a rise in poverty, there's a rise in inequality, people will migrate for economic reasons. And in places where there's war and where there's instability, people as humans would want to move to a safer society. So uh, no matter how long it takes, uh, man is structured to survive, to seek survival. So it is not a surprise that people would leave, say, maybe uh, uh, Ghana and go through the, the, the very tough conditions of, uh, of the Sahara Desert to cross to Europe. It's in us, you know, we are created as humans to always look for a better, a greener pasture to survive. And not just to survive, to keep our generation, to keep surviving and put our generation in the best place that we're actually comfortable. Because anything I do now is for my children and for my children's children. So if anything is good for me now, I'm looking to the future. When I'm not here, would they, they live a good life? Growing up, a number of people I, I knew moved abroad. I always had an assumption that it was because um, they were wealthy, that they found new money, you know, and this was why they were leaving, you know. They've come into so much wealth and they're able to go to London, you know, um, Paris or somewhere else and move, you know. I, I didn't know that people were actually suffering. I didn't know how much people were suffering. This was 10, 15 years ago. And now looking at some things my parents shielded me from and some things I was able to see, you know, putting two and two together, now I'm realizing that these people were suffering. You know, these people were suffering and smiling, pretending like everything was okay. I remember some tiny conversations, like, I used to hear, and, you know, and my parents were always saying, this Nigeria, I don't think it's going to ever change. I don't think anything is ever going to get better. And I realize now that these people moved because they didn't have any choice. There was no choice whatsoever, you know. Would you decide to stay in a place where you're suffering, or if you have an opportunity to leave and go somewhere else that you're better off, wouldn't you go? Then in Nigeria, where we were living with our parents, where we were young, we are actually like seven siblings. And my father and my mother tried to make sure that we all went to school. When we were growing, we realized that our parents really, really worked hard before they could afford to send us to good school. So, but here is, is, a, is a better off because... There's no much stress for you to bring up your children as long as you can be there for them. And even if you, you, as I'm working, it's not that you have to work as hard as back home in Nigeria before you could afford to send your children to school. But in here, there's more opportunities, like living a good life, peace, like raising children, raising my children in good environments and at least for a brighter for a better future because in nigeria it's only the the few that that are rich that will be able to send their children to a better school or a good school but like in my own case my parents were not really rich so they had to work very hard really hard to send us to school which I even according in, in my own understanding, when I came here and some things 
like God lies put some light on some situations like my mother died back home in Nigeria very young she died very young and I realized that the thing that caused her death then she shouldn't have died if there is better health care back home that's that's one of few things that I see that here it's a, a lot easier growing up in Ireland was interesting um especially in primary school there was not really many there wasn't really anybody any foreigners um until like a few years into my primary school years I think general in general kids are quite innocent in terms of they don't see difference as much as adults do so they treated me fine and um, maybe they'll just ask a lot of questions and like I always would get strange questions like oh are you made out of chocolate or something like why is your skin this color and stuff but like I never really to be honest I didn't really find that to bother me I didn't like get upset about it I was just like no I'm not made out of chocolate like why would you think I'm made out of chocolate that's crazy but uh, I, I just thought it was just interesting that people would say that I knew I was different from everybody else but I never saw that as a negative thing or perceived it to be a negative thing perhaps the older I became the more I understood um how much people perceive you being of darker skin or of black skin from being white skin how people perceive the difference but when I was younger I didn't really see it I didn't really have an issue with it I never really got um I never really encountered any racial problems or attacks or anything like that my mother though she she would she has told me stories of where many times she has been like she was approached when I was younger and people would say like put forward lots of racial slurs and things like that but I I don't know maybe as a child I was in my own bubble so I never really I it wasn't I wasn't aware of it. When I first came out, I've gotten, gotten racism, like, words and stuff being thrown at me. Because in my secondary school, it was, like, I would never wish anyone could see that secondary school. It's also, like, the people there were so close-minded, like, the student would be like, go back to your country. Why are you here if you have jobs? You're still in our jobs and stuff like that. And sometimes, me and my friends would be going to, on lunch break, and they would be throwing eggs at us and stuff like that. It was ridiculous. And there was a time in secondary school, that was one of my highlights. Um, they start saying stuff on Facebook and we had to report to the teachers and stuff and it got into a really sensitive argument and all this stuff but like still they did not stop like it was just like I think they were just being closed minded because hey not everyone is in everyone's country if you get me like some Irish people are in other people's country as well like some Nigerians are in other people's country some Irish and Nigerians living, do you get me? Like, there is a mixture of everything. So, like, when people are racist, I'm like, there's just no point. Like, we all breathe the same oxygen. <laughs> Over here in Ireland, there's a bit of racism. Because I remember at that time that I got my um, my paper and I was looking for a job. And um, the excuse they gave me in that place then was that, oh, you are not you're not um, a British or an EU because we give priorities to EU people and the British people. We give them job first before we could give others that they are sorry. And I was qualified for the job. But unfortunately, 
the po the the space was just for two people, and we were about ten that did it. So definitely, they will have given the job to. So I and then I counted this like racism that why wouldn't K give me the job? So that's it. There's a bit even till now we still experience a bit of it. Even though sometimes they might pretend that you are their friend, but in some sort ways they do some stuff that you will see that this is pure racism. Growing up in Nigeria, it was the norm for us to treat foreigners or people who are different from us even better than we treated ourselves, you know. Because every every single person you speak to that's non-Nigerian, you're supposed to be a representation of Nigeria to that person. That that was just the normal thing. That was the subconscious thought we all had, you know. That if you if you treat that person who's from England as a Nigerian terribly, that person will think that, oh, all Nigerians are all terrible people and we're racist or some sort of thing like that, you know. So I would always treat foreigners nicely. And people around me will always treat foreigners nicely. And even if they were horrible people, they will fake their horribleness till you leave that country, you know. And I thought this was the norm, you know. So going to going abroad for the first time and then feeling racism and feeling um, anti-immigrant behavior and for the first time somebody telling me, go back to your country and things like that, I was shocked because I thought that this was also the norm here. I thought that this was how, that me being Nigerian and coming to another country, I thought they were going to be so open to me and be like, oh, welcome to our country and everything. And fe- having these feelings and, you know, being a- verbally attacked for the first time in this way because of my skin color or because of the country I came from was traumatizing, for lack of a better word. I wouldn't say Ireland is more acceptive of immigrants simply because... I think this is very new to Ireland. Places like England, uh, places like France and the States, even Germany, they've had a long, 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 long history of people um, from different parts of the world coming to live there. In Ireland, it's quite recent. So I feel at the beginning, it was just like they didn't really know how to react. Then as time went on, now people are kind of confused as to how to react to immigrants and whether to react to them in a negative way, in a positive way. So it's hard to tell. People may say they haven't got a problem with immigrants, but they perhaps do. And I feel it's too early on in the history of migrants in Ireland to say whether they have a problem or not because they haven't been as me severely affected by migrant uh, issues like the UK and like France. Those who talk about the effect of colonization on Africa have very legitimate points because uh, you can't wish colonization away just as you cannot wish the killing of Jews by Hitler in Germany and the same way as you can't wish slave trade or slavery away. Uh, colonization and the advent and the uh, raid on Africa and basically most part of the world by the Western powers had quite a lot of a huge impact on the continent, uh, some positive, some negative, but basically the negative part, impact is what we're still facing today. Uh, that is not an excuse for Africa not to uh, turn the curve and try to rebuild the continent. The government, you know, the embezzlement is what they stand for, to embezzle as much as they can. 
And um, I think in Africa in general, I think due to corruption and, you know, for lack of transparency of financial records, so all majority, don't let me say all, the majority of the people in government only fend for themselves, fend for their family, you know, um, embezzle as much to raise their family, raise a good family. And I think there's something I know that, um, you know, money is never enough. You know, the more you have, the more you aspire to have if you know how to make it. So, you know, so those those guys, um, they are there to make money for their family and for themselves and just themselves alone so they don't care about anybody. I was in Nigeria and, you know, the height of poverty that I was shielded from when I was younger is beyond me because, you know, I saw things I did not believe happen, happen in Nigeria. And those sort of things, you know, um, make me wonder why was I shielded from all of those things while I was growing up? But then I could understand that, you know, if I have my children, take them to Nigeria, for instance, um, there are some places I would prevent them from, I would prevent them from going. And the reason being is I don't want to kind of mess around with their mentality because there are some things you see in life that almost kind of touch your psyche that your mindset changes somehow. Corruption is something that is almost synonymous to Nigeria, if not the rest of Africa as well. It's always something that I've been aware of. We, I've always known that the people who won the elections, the presidents, the governors, things like that at that time, even till now, in, in some subtle ways, that most of them were corrupt and most of them were the, the people who won, were the people who bribed the most, you know. Um, even the person counting the, the, the numbers of the, pe- pers- of the people who won the election, that person has already been bribed as well so that they could make that other person win. Um, and it's in every single sector you can think of. Even the doctor that's treating in the hospital will collect um, like a 10 euro bribe for you, to, for, for you to be able to you know, skip the line and go ahead of someone else. You, know. you would hear things like, do you know who I am in Nigeria? You know? And people who say, do you know who I am? It's people who have the money, you know. And I remember things like when a policeman would stop us on the road in Nigeria and they would ask my mom for all the documents and things like that, that, that she needed to be able to drive a car. And she would show the policeman, this is my document. I have everything. It's complete and things like that. But after the, doc- the, the police saw that everything was complete and then all they wanted was just money, you know, and then they would tell my mom, madam, you know what to do to get out of this. And even if she didn't have a document, it really did not matter. That was just an excuse to stop you, you know. And then my mom had to, like, check into her wallet and give them 200 naira or 1,000 and even be negotiating as if she was paying for something, you know, some crime that she did, you know. And if you didn't give them, they could literally just shoot you and pack your car somewhere and nothing will happen because, you know, they're the lawmakers, they're the gods there at that, at that point in time, you know. And it's like laws don't work. And I, I don't know if I see corruption going anywhere anytime soon because it's changing now thanks to social media and people being more aware, you know, and people trying to fight to get things better. But I don't see it going anywhere because it's something that's really, really creeping our country and causing massive poverty and causing people to suffer. When I first went back to Ghana, I thought it would be a lot stranger because it's something that I wasn't familiar with at all because I lived my whole life in Ireland. But I felt surprisingly quite comfortable there. And perhaps it's because at home um, I was surrounded by Ghanaian culture in my house. We ate Ghanaian food. 
uh, my mom always spoke the Ghanaian language um, uh, we had clothes from Ghana so it, it was different but not maybe as different as it should have been because I was exposed to a lot of Ghanaian culture in Ireland um, the only difference I guess was just I've never been surrounded by like I've always been surrounded by like the white race all my life so like for the first time ever uh, it was just complete black people everywhere and I was just like wow this is so different for me um, that's I didn't find it strange, if that makes any sense. I don't know why, but I didn't find it that strange. Um, I felt in some ways it made me understand uh, myself a bit more because uh, for the first time ever, I was in a place where I actually felt like I, I really came from. Because being in Ireland, obviously, even though I was born here and... My nationality is technically Irish. Irish people don't consider me Irish. So it's hard to say. Sometimes call a place your home when the people who live in it don't consider it to be your home. Um, so it was probably a bit easier for me to consider Ghana my home because people were a lot more like me. I do feel Irish to a certain extent. Um, not because I am an Irish citizen, but just because of things I do, for instance, if I go anywhere, travel to the UK or anywhere I go, I usually refer to Ireland as home. So I tell people I'm going home. And even when I visited Nigeria, I told people over there I'm going home because this is where I kind of feel I belong. And everything I learned a lot, everything I learned while I was growing up, I learned them in Ireland. So my teenage year and coming off puberty, everything sort of kind of came from Ireland. Ireland is my home. I've taken it as, as my home. Even if I traveled, I'll be looking forward to coming back. That means it's my home. I love Nigeria. I do go. I do go because of my siblings and my family members and my cousins, nieces and everybody. And I love to go and see them all the time. But I don't, I'm just praying about that. That, okay, when I go back, how am I going to get settled as I'm settled here? Because I'm settled here and God has been faithful. He has settled me with everything that I may need. So I don't think about that. I don't even want to think about it now. To go back to Nigeria for now. I don't, I don't want to think about it now. I don't want to stress my, <laughs> my head. So I'm enjoying it here in Ireland. And to the glory of God, I'm doing fine. I'm okay. My children are fine and we're okay. So for now, Nigeria is good. I'm looking forward to going back, but not now. I don't even know. But I tell you, Ireland is home. I think it's a really difficult thing for me to say I feel Irish or I feel Ghanaian or I feel anything. I don't know. I just feel myself, who I am. Um, people would perceive they'll tell me oh i think you are more this i think you're more irish i think you're more Ghanaian. i think you're more this and i'm just like i'm just living my life i i'm proud to be born here but i'm also proud of my Ghanaian background and um even though i'm i'm irish in, t in a sense that i was born here my whole 
culture my tradition a lot of my beliefs a lot of my perceptions wouldn't be the way they are if I didn't consider myself Ghanaian at all. During the course of my research on immigration in Ireland, I found that our crimes perpetrated towards immigrants went underreported. And this was because immigrants didn't see the need to report these issues because they felt like nothing would happen or it would even make their situations worse. I remember when my friends would ask me about Ireland, I would tell them that Ireland is the least racist country I'd ever been to. But now listening to myself, this sounds very ridiculous because racism or anti-immigrant behavior shouldn't be a thing at all. I remember my first encounter with anti-immigrant behavior in Ireland when I walked into a restaurant and the man sitting close to the door flipped his plate and got really upset that I had walked in. Like a cockroach had gone on his plate and he had suddenly lost his appetite and he was irritated and needed to get rid of it. He started screaming about immigrants in Ireland and how they all need to leave and how they need to stop taking their jobs and how he was so upset about us all walking so proudly around Ireland like we owned the place. I felt so terrible that day. I went back home almost in tears and started wondering what I had done to this man to make him feel this way and started thinking about like my mannerism if I walked a certain way to upset this man. But no one should ever feel that way. No one should ever feel hurt or terrible just because of what they look like or their skin color or where they're from. I feel like we should all be accepting and loving of everyone regardless of where they're from or where we find people. Love at the end of the day would always win a thousand percent over hatred. 